Oh, good day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hoskin Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, uh, are, are there too many people working in the public sector? They seem to be hiring them at a rate of knots. Uh, we've got uh, some unemployment stats out today or tomorrow, sometime this week. Uh, Mike on masks, we were at with masks and an F1 wrap. And I'll put in my two cents worth on the F1 as well, which might be overvaluing it slightly. But first of all, uh, the health worker shortage looks like they might be doing something about it. Is something actually going right? What a difference a day makes, eh? 24 hours after the madcap nuttiness of paying out $800 million we don't have to people who may or may not reside here or may or may not need any assistance at all, we then get the idea that we've got ten grand to get a nurse here. If the cost of living payment is well-intentioned but oh-so-labour in its delivery, in other words, it's the usual wasteful mess dreamed up by a government that time and time again shows how little real-world experience it has, then the nursing package at least starts off with one, good intentions, but two, the real possibility it might play a part in solving a crisis. It would have helped, of course, if the government had stuck nurses on the fast track to residency, would have helped if we had opened the borders quicker, would have helped if we paid nurses more, would have helped if we trained more, would have helped if we worked out that our health system generally is chronically underfunded. But given we did none of that, at least what Andrew Little has announced looks like it's a step in the right direction. It looks, dare I suggest, practical. For a government that has wasted God knows how many billions on harebrained ideological nonsense, This is from the old playbook, the solve a problem playbook. Instead of spraying money all over the world in a circus-like fashion and then defending it as they have with the cost of living cock-up, look like you've got a problem, lack of nurses, and actually do something about it, i.e. make it easier to get here. Ten grand won't fix it, of course, but it's the little things that make it easier. Nurses, like so many professions, are spoilt for locations these days. Uh, The pay here will probably never truly compete, never has. Uh, But if we land a few more smoothly, woo them with a bit of scenery and hospitality, then maybe the lack of pay is made up for by the lifestyle. But they've got to get here first. And 10 grand is better than $116 to a bloke in Sweden that hasn't lived here for 20 years and doesn't need it. In other words, if you insist on spending yet more money we don't have, at least make it look like it's got a chance of working. Okay, so a bit of credit where credit's due. That's a nice way to start the pod. Um, unfortunately, uh, we do have to pull up the government on just hiring too many people. Like, yeah, I, I, I know that, I mean, good on them. They've, they've found people with the skills for their jobs, apparently. Uh, morning, Mike. I started working for Kayanga Aura Jan 6. Uh, months on, I've resigned. It's a basket case. The tens of millions it has wasted on IT projects in the last two years that it completely failed to deliver. It's staggering. Last thing it needs is more people. Internally, it's rudderless. No leadership, no idea, throwing money at people and technology with no coherent plan in the hope to deliver houses faster. The business case for these uh, projects is questionable. The example is Kia Hoko, a $13 million IT project. Two years in the making, fail. No one's using it, and that's the tip of the iceberg. Morning, Mike. There's a cycle of putting more money into public departments as they try to have fictional ideals. They can't meet them. They just employ more people to have more meetings and short-term plans. They don't do they just plan and talk and predict. Uh, Mike, the trouble with the Kaying Aura staff increases is that they're stealing the best staff from the local councils. That means small businesses can't get inspections done. Peter, that's a very good point. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm just thinking about this. So we've got the government's been accused of hiring too many people for, in the public services. So we do have a skill shortage, but apparently there are there are people to be hired who know how to order clipboards. Uh, and cardigans and those cords for keeping your glasses on. Um, 
So those people aren't in short supply, apparently, because they're hiring them. Um, so will, how will that factor into the unemployment stats when they come out this week? This week's big guessing game, well, at least until tomorrow, is what will the unemployment rate be? Now, once upon a time, the sort of number we're dealing with uh, would cause, cause for much celebration. In fact, last time it was uh, where it is currently, we had, quote, unquote, a rock star economy. We had growth. We had trade surpluses, we had confidence, and we had one of the lowest jobless rates in the OECD. What's changed? <laughs> a lot. Everyone has low jobless rates these days. Talk to Joe about that in Italy a moment or two ago. It's one of the weird and wonderful outworkings of COVID and the approach we took to it. The figure, which is currently sitting at 3.2, is forecast to drop again. Consensus appears to be about 3.1. Some have it as low as 2.8. What we know for sure is that if you want work, you can get it. What we know is there are more jobs than there are people looking for them. What we know is that there is a ridiculous number of so-called unemployed who the government seem more than happy to, one, pay for, and two, defend, that miraculously can't seem to find any of these jobs. So where once 3.2 was a win, a sign of economic success, what that 3.2 means today is the perils of locking ourselves off from the world. What in broad and simple terms we have discovered with this experiment is when you stop people coming in, you, one, quickly provide all the work the locals who want can get, two, as a result, see that this country basically really goes nowhere all by itself. In other words, once we're all ferreting away, we end up producing enough stuff to basically tread water. Our economy started the year going backwards. We stand by for the latest statistics that will tell us we either went backwards again in the second quarter, that's a recession, or maybe we eked out a slither of growth. Either way, it's not good news. By the way, what the Reserve Bank wants before it stops crippling us with interest rate rises is some labour slack. They actually want the unemployment rate to rise. They want to stop the wage increases for no reason. So if the rate is 2.8 or 2.9 or 3, stand by for potentially a 75-point rise to the cash rate. By the way, the technical description of stagflation is high inflation with no growth. Hmm, we're living in. How ironic is it, eh, that we're in such a mess that people now losing jobs would be good news? It's like the world's upside down. Uh, so, yeah, Mike, of course, famously has been predicting uh, a recession, I think. He can't see any growth in whatever quarter that we've had that will mean that we'll be in a recession. Uh, and, and another prediction of his uh, was that we'll all be a mask forever. Is that happening? Speaking of medical matters, um, the chief health officer in Victoria, it's another one of my predictions I think is going to come right. So earlier on in the year, I said, mark my words, we're going to be in masks, mandated masks in certain areas, at least until the end of the year. This was when sort of the, the wave was diminishing and we were all getting excited about the world being normal, etc., etc. And I said, stand by, we will never let go of masks. And the reason I tell you about Brett Sutton yesterday, he was out there in Victoria. He thinks that they will be encouraged to wear masks indoors for years to come. So they're coming out of their BA4, BA5 subvariant thing the same way we are at the moment. Uh, of those in Victorian hospitals, this, this is interesting, half of them are over 75. Now that compares with 33% for the first Omicron peak, 17% for the Delta peak. So this is much more infectious or contagious. And so therefore that affects the more vulnerable more. So you'd expect that number. But this whole idea, the reason I'm telling you the story is by and large, I think we're going to go where Victoria does or they're going to go where we are. We are very, very conservative in our outlook. And if Victoria's chief health officer is telling them we're going to be wearing masks indoors there forever or for years, then I think you can probably adjust your thinking a little bit to this country and get your head around the fact that we'll be doing pretty much the same sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, but isn't it just that we've woken up to the fact, and obviously a lot of Asian countries figured this out many years ago, is that 
it's actually not a bad idea to wear a mask in crowded situations and situations where the, you know you might be at risk of catching communicable diseases. Um, now, if somebody could just get that through to the All Blacks for when they're walking through airports, that'd be a help. Uh, we're going to finish up here with the F1. I noticed they're very uh, hot on the mask wearing, and even in pit lane. Um, that's about all I know about F1, to be honest. So Alonso's quit Alpine to go to Aston Martin. This is F1 News this morning. And um, what I can't work out, and he's waxing lyrical, no one in Formula One today is demonstrating a greater vision and absolute commitment to winning. Uh, I'm not sure if he's been watching the same F1 I am, but I can tell you for nothing, Aston Martin isn't winning or even coming close to winning. I think Vettel got 10th uh, over the weekend. And, of course, um, he's going to Aston because Vettel's retiring, which leaves a seat at Alpine, which has some people saying Piastri, Oscar Piastri, uh, is going to fill that seat. He's there currently their reserve driver. He's managed by Mark Webber. Alpine, for their part, uh, their Renault, essentially, are saying, you know, you know, we'll let you know when we when we know. If he if he gets the place, he'll join Orcon. Now, here's the problem with Aston Martin. One, Lawrence, as in Stroll, goes and buys a chunk of Aston Martin, and he says, I'm going to revolutionise the place and we're going to start winning Formula 1. So you think, oh, good on you, fair enough, whatever. Get, go to it. Uh, nothing happens. Crickets are chirping. Part of the problem is he's got his kid in the Alliance, who, from all of my watching of F1, is is okay. They're all okay. I mean, you've got to be good to get to F1, but he's not the best. If you line up the 20 best drivers in the world, is Lance Stroll one of them? No. So why is he there? Because daddy's got the money. So if Aston Martin want to win, they've got to get a couple of good drivers. So now they've got Lance Stroll, who's not the best, and they've got an old bloke at 41 years old. Vettel, why is Vettel leaving? Because he's old. He's retiring. So a bloke who's old also is going, no, I'm going to sign a multi-year deal with Aston Martin. And do what? It makes no sense. So for all of the good that Aston Martin does and all the changes that come along and all the excitement that's been built up by Drive to Survive and stuff like that, you still see to a degree a shuffling of people who you could argue shouldn't really be there, whether it's a Lance Stroll who's not good enough or an Alonso who might like to think about, you know, moving on or being a B driver to another team. I don't know, but... I mean, I don't understand any of what you've just been talking about. Well, I'm because I've, I've, I've never even heard of this Alpine thing that you're talking about. Renault, you've heard of Renault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. I, I translate it back into real life, and I know that I would rather drive an Aston Martin than a Renault at the end of the day. That's that, that's your best point. That is well said. Uh, Liam Lawson is hopefully fingers crossed because there's going to be some seat shuffling. Is my major point. There'll be some seat shuffling by the end of the season. Liam Lawson might well be in the mix. Is the seat shuffler, is that a subscription thing that no, you nice. no, have to subscribe to for the seat shuffler? Can you, can you shut up? So that was a reference back to um, BMW uh, charging people for seat warmers. Now, the seat warmers are in the car, but you can only use them if you subscribe to them. Uh, which is, a, it's a bit of an old story, but I thought it was worth bringing up. I've been away for a week. Well, until yesterday. Shut up. I'm, uh, that's Mike telling me to shut up, wasn't it? I'll shut up. Uh, that was uh, the rewrap, and I will stop shutting up for you tomorrow, and then I'll shut up again at the end of it. See you then.